Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin. So how does the network coordinate Bitcoin upgrades amongst the miners and the Bitcoin mining pools? Alejandro De La Torre, VP of Poolin, one of the large Bitcoin mining pools, joins me on the show to talk about his efforts in helping to coordinate this upgrade, his website, taprootactivation.com, as well as some of the learnings from 2017, the Segwit activation, and we talk about some of the concepts around an MASF, Minor Activated Soft Fork. We talk a little bit about the distribution of network hash rate, future soft fork upgrades and what they might look like, as well as some of the recent China stuff as well. Just for your context also, listeners, this episode was recorded 22nd of May 2021. That was a Saturday morning in Sydney time. And uh, just so you understand a little bit about the numbers that we're talking about were obviously correct at that time. This show is brought to you by swanbitcoin.com, the best place to auto-stack your Bitcoin in the US with incredibly easy setup and low fees. So they are available in all US states for individuals, and they are actually available internationally via Swan Private for high net worth investors or business investors. Swan's service is built around regular stacking, but with support for smash buys also. So this is the place to send your pre-coiner and new coiner friends to get them to set up their auto-stacking plan, especially at times like this when you have your dca plan set up then it makes it a lot easier to accumulate a lot of sats during the dips so swan bitcoin are bitcoin only and they're focused on teaching people to self-custody so this is the place to send your friends and family or for you if you're getting started with bitcoin so go to swanbitcoin.com slash and swan will drop ten dollars of free bitcoin in your account when you become a member Lend at HodlHodl is a peer-to-peer Bitcoin-backed lending platform where you can lend or borrow crypto globally and anonymously. Lend at HodlHodl is a way to earn extra income on your stablecoins by lending them out at an average of 25% APR. On the other hand, if you have Bitcoins and you need some liquidity, well, now you don't have to sell, you can borrow against your Bitcoins. And the cool thing here is you will still hold one key in the two of three multi-sig controlling your Bitcoin during the loan, since HodlHodl does not hold your funds. Lend at HodlHodl allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing directly between users. So on this platform, you set your own terms and put up offers depending on how long you want to borrow or lend and the interest rate. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. Are you looking to get involved in Bitcoin mining? Compass is an online marketplace, making it easier for everyone to mine Bitcoin and enhance the Bitcoin network's security. Compass helps you buy your own ASIC and secure hosting at great facilities around the world. For years, we heard that mining was only profitable if you're investing tons of money. Compass is making it easier for everyone to tap into economies of scale and access reasonably priced hardware and cheap industrial power rates instead of relying on our residential power rates, which might not be competitive. If you're unsure about how to get started with mining Bitcoin, Compass offers hardware and hosting bundles. So you don't have to have advanced technical knowledge. You can quickly get started mining Bitcoin with hardware you own. Go to compassmining.io to start mining Bitcoin today. On to the show. Alejandro, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So Alejandro, I've been trying to get you on for a little while, but it just kind of hasn't happened. But I also want I really wanted to chat with you about some of your work you've been doing around taproot activation. And obviously, this is you know, come quite some way. And uh, hopefully, it's looking like, you know, it's, it's pretty close to being uh, signaled. But I, I'd like to chat a little bit about your process and what it was like for you. But first, of course, let's start with a little bit about yourself. Can you tell us uh, a bit about your history in Bitcoin land? Sure. Um, I've been in Bitcoin for a while now. One of my startups I was uh, working for in Amsterdam was acquired by Bitmain. It was called Blocktrail. Um, we rebrand to btc.com. So I'm co-founder of btc.com. I built that, built that out for three years. We became the largest Bitcoin mining pool for two years in a row. We also had a, a, a pretty successful wallet. And that, I left that uh, a couple years ago to join this, the same team that co-founded btc.com. Uh, now part of the, it's called Poolin now. This, that's what the, uh, the new company is called. I joined them, Poolin. We're the second largest mining pool in the world. We provide also a bunch of mining synthetics and whatnot. So I've been in total about five years in the mining uh, space. So five years in the mining space is a long time, uh, especially because one year in Bitcoin land is you know multiple years in normal land. Hey, And so I know you were helping to coordinate some of the tech 
taproot activation, at least amongst miners. So can you tell us how that came about from your perspective? Yes, yes. Well, um, the whole the whole idea was to, I mean, I was around when Segwit, the whole Segwit debacle, um, civil war. It was, um, I was working at Bitmain. Well, I mean, at BTC.com, I was working at BTC.com, which was owned by Bitmain. So you know, I was I had a front front row seat at uh, of all the debates and all the uh, vitriol and all the uh, all the very upset feelings a lot of people had with each other. And what I what I remember what I pinpointed in those days was that there was a very very clear lack of communication between all parties, and especially from the miners to the rest of the world. The reason being that most miners are based in in well in those days it was even more now it's now it's less but. Still, a very substantial amount of miners are based mining farms, mining pools are based in China or from China, and and the rest of the uh, and a lot of the other ecosystem is not in China. So there's like uh, aside from it, aside from uh, that issue or that situation of you know cultural differences and language barriers, uh, location barriers, right? Location differences. Uh, there's there was also the added thing of the miners also being very, you know, the miners in those days would never, they were just mining this coin that, that, that was called Bitcoin. They never thought they would have to do something uh, in terms of upgrading anything, mining pool operators. So it was a new thing. So I, I, I saw how, how the communication caused a lot of issues. So I thought, let me just go ahead and jump the gun here pre, you know, uh, before, before any, any, any issues start arising. I wanted to quickly, find out what the mining pool operators um, um, felt about Taproot. Um, I, was, I felt I was in a good position because um, I've been working in the industry for many years and, it's, and most of the time it's been with Chinese mining pools. Oh no, well, all the time it's been with Chinese mining pools. So I know all, of the, I know all the operators in China of all these mining pools. Uh, so I, I felt like I was in the right position to do this. And so I jumped, out, I, I jumped the gun and I created taprootactivation.com. I asked them all, and I was I was highly, highly um, not surprised, but I was very, very, very um, happy to to find out that more than ninety percent of all the mining pools uh, were were willing and down to upgrade to Taproot, and that's that's uh, that took me a little, that took me actually went quite quite quickly, which was also quite surprising. Um, most mining pools. Uh, uh, you know, all the large mining pools uh, were aware of Taproot. They know what, they knew what it was. At least, like the main the main operators of these uh, pools. So it was not it was not too difficult to explain. Um, you know, I just had to basically ask them, and um, yeah, it was a it was very it was very happy experience. Yeah. Great. So let me replay some of that and just add a little bit of a historical context for the newer listeners. So, in 2017, we had the culmination of a multi-year civil war, so to speak, or a little uh, internal debate within the Bitcoin within the Bitcoin world. Uh, and as you were saying, there were different tensions that led to that, right? As you were saying, some of it was language difficulty, some of it was, you know, not really having a clear way, you know, because again, Bitcoin has no king or CEO. It's all about people voluntarily agreeing things or doing things on the network. And that's basically how things are done in the Bitcoin, in the Bitcoin network. And so then what happened is now with this next soft fork, the taproot soft fork, I think some of the developers were maybe they felt like they were in a position where they had done what they could, but now they didn't want to be, unilaterally deciding on behalf of all the users, all the miners and everyone in the network. And so it had reached that point. And I think it was actually quite a useful thing that you did there uh, to go around and actually start communicating with the miners and actually pull that together. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit around the timeline then at the time you set up the taprootactivation.com website? Like what time was that? Yeah. Right. So I started the website in November. I started the I started the website in November of last year. It took me it took me about a month of work to gather all the mining pools. I mean, not uh, at least all the major mining pools and mid-sized mining pools to answer. Not only was it the Chinese mining pools, but also Western or European American uh, pools also answered. Russian pools, um, 
It took about a month. It was like I said, quite, quite, quite quick. That that actually, I I hope that brought a lot of um, attention towards that group, um, and I think that then led to you know discussions on how to actually activate. Gotcha. Yeah, and so I recall in twenty in the in that prior twenty fifteen sixteen seventeen there was some debate and discussion around things that were unknown to the rest of the world. So these were some of the things that were happening in the mining world, like the whole ASIC boost thing or some of the discussion about, oh, would it be against the miners' incentive to support SegWit because that might help enable lightning and would that take away mining fee revenue or would that just be seen like a short-term pain for long-term gain aspect? Were there any concerns similar to that this time around with Taproot or was that mostly seen as like a, this is an upgrade for the network, nobody's really losing, it's a win-win-win all round, we're just going to support it. What was the view? That was exactly, yeah, that's exactly the view. Uh, everyone everyone seemed to be down with Taproot. Um, there's not, there's, it's, it's a privacy enhanced, you know, it's, it upgrades in privacy. Essentially, it's a, it's a non-contentious software from from. From what I got, from what I gathered from the mining pool operators, at the very least, at the top, I'm speaking about the mining pool operators. Of course, uh, no one, no one seems to have an issue with it. So, yeah, that's a that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And now I think there was also some discussion around in and this was perhaps more in the Bitcoin developer community, which you know you can see on the mailing list or on IRC discussions, where. Essentially, there were debates had about what is the correct way to activate this thing, because there were some debates and some arguments being presented that doing this in a forceful way, if you will, or in a way where the users are just unilaterally deciding and not having the minor signaling approach that you know, that this was being coercing against the miners or not. In your view, I guess, in in your view professionally and also in your interactions with other mining pool operators and other miners, what was the view there? Was that seen as being like a coercive thing or was it just seen more like a, you know, was there a different view there? The, that's a good question. I think, I think the, uh, the, the SegWit debacle had a very, had a very traumatic experience for everyone that was involved in that, situation and that upgrade a lot of people still have you know kind of uh remember you know some bad memories of what happened in those days and then in segment days some miners acted perhaps not the in, not in the best way some of you say malicious and or miners in those days have different interests so the, that, that was the whole reason why you activated softbox or uh yeah use uh, usa uh, uasf was was a very good way to upgrade in that in that day so those feelings were still around, but the whole idea was to actually kind of heal those wounds, so I sort of speak. I think um, I think going through a minor activated software is an elegant way, especially for a, for a, a non-consensual software. Um, so I did not I did not even uh, for, for me that's why I really pushed forward for Taproot for 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 the answers very very early on before any of the real discussion started. Because I wanted to avoid any of this um, political stuff to to start, you know, seeping in into the conversation. I just wanted to quickly ask, look, this is an upgrade tap. This is called Taproot. They they were like, oh, we, the miners knew about it. And look, this is, do you guys want to upgrade? Yes or no? Yes. Boom. That's it. That was that was kind of the whole entire idea. I wanted to quickly move forward before any of this um, political situation starts seeping in. So I did not even mention anything about user activity softworks or anything like that. I still think it's a very elegant way to, to move forward uh, with minor activated softworks. Um, and so, yes. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So moving on then. So there was some discussion then around which method would be used also. So there was a discussion around median time passed and also block height. Did you have any thoughts on that particular approach, or did that that didn't really matter to you from your perspective? From my perspective, it doesn't really it didn't really matter for me. the The more important thing was these were just kind of like some snippets at the end of the conversation. It was not very interesting for me. For me, it was you know all about getting the miners to signal so we can just activate it through the miners, a miner activated software. It didn't. I don't really care if it's you know MTP or block height. It's, it's it's fine either way. Gotcha. Yeah, and also the discussion around alternate clients, as there was a 
an alternate client released called Bitcoin with Taproot. Now, I guess maybe I'm, I'm I'm phrasing that or framing that in an unfair way because maybe there is no official Bitcoin software. It's always, you know, don't trust verify. So uh, to be clear, there's the Bitcoin core supported release. And then there was another release called the Bitcoin Taproot, I think, I think was the name they were giving it. Did you have any perspectives around that? Or is it similar for you, from your point of view? It's just you know, whatever whatever way we need to um, get this thing activated using Speedy Trial is, is good enough. Well, yeah, I mean that's 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 my that's my general point of view. But I still think it's I still think it's not. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with other clients uh, coming into play. Um, I don't I don't see I don't see it as as being wrong or bad at all. I think it's good that that other players in the ecosystem want to go ahead and provide a alternative client for for anything it's 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 the whole beauty of this whole system right this you know there's always a possibility it's of of a different client if something doesn't work this this we can try this something else um of course if our cons- if, if, if we reach consensus to do that of course so no i don't i don't i, I again i was i i, I was pretty confident after after doing the type activation.com uh, survey or uh, consensus effort uh, survey, so I was not very I was not very focused on none of these other things. But nonetheless, I think I don't think it's no, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's I think it was great. I think it's great, and you know the the goal of these these other guys or or, or all other alternative clients was to upgrade Taproot. So their goal is was the same as mine. So how can I be upset with that? Gotcha. Yeah, and I guess another interesting question might be because the I guess the group who have created the uh, Bitcoin Taproot client, I think it could arguably be said they wanted something closer to the BIP8 lot equals true approach. And so for listeners, you can check out my earlier episode with Luke Dasher. I think he represents that view. I wonder, is it, well, and I don't know if you if you know this or not, um, but would you know if the existence of this kind of lot equals true client out there applies some pressure to mining pools to say, hey, if you don't support this, well, it's coming anyway. That's that's uh, that's the kind of viewpoint of uh, of Luke, I, I believe, um, and I, I guess I guess. I can see his point of view. I can under, I can understand what he said, what he means there. I mean, but I don't know if it. I, I can't give you a, a good answer because I don't know if mining pools like saw this alternative client and thought, oh, we need to do it fast because there's this. I don't. I don't think. I don't think my. I don't think we ever got to that point where that was ever. I don't think we got to that point. So perhaps if we in the future, if there's another scenario and we get to a point perhaps that would cause them or lead mining pool or mining miners to push the, the the upgrade quicker or whatever but in this particular situation i don't think mining pool operators even knew about it but again it's it, it's still okay for them to do for luke to do or anyone any of the listeners can do anything they want in bitcoin that's the beauty of it so right yeah of course and um i guess maybe an alternate view might be more like uh, aj towns's view now aj is a bitcoin developer also a past guest on the show and uh i think he did a blog post recently talking about his views on you know summarizing some of this conversation around how to activate how to move forward in bitcoin and perhaps the way he framed it was more like look just because a cavalry charge was what worked last time that's not necessarily what has to happen this time, right? And um, it seems that this time we've got, you know, the miners on board here. So it's not really as much of a, yeah, maybe that's just not the right, the right approach or the right way to frame it. And people are thinking of it like like that kind of hero's journey, this small band of people and blah, blah, you, know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? That maybe that's just not the right way to think about it this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, well, that's why, again, that's why I, um, um, I, I, after the tapper activation effort, I knew that the miners were on board I, from from what they told me in private conversations. So I, I knew that that approach, that uh, the other approach that worked in the last upgrade, was not necessary anymore. So so right now, um, already more than ninety percent of all the largest uh, mining pools have signaled for taproot. Most of them are fully signaling. Some are still having some issues, but that approach was not necessary this time around. But this time around, the approach that I guess I took was more adequate, just finding out quickly what they wanted and then coming out quick. Bitcoin Core really, really was 
I think uh, phenomenal in coming out with speedy trial as soon as possible. That was the way to go. Quick, uh, efficient. Um, yeah. So I think that that for this particular situation, we didn't need we didn't need that that uh, strategy. That strategy worked last time. It doesn't need to work every single time. It might work next time. It might not. It's but it's, nonetheless, it's still uh, it was a, a legitimate strategy last time around. But you know. You know, sometimes just, uh, you know, working together is also fine, you know. Back to the show in a moment. CoinKite.com are the creators of the cold card, my favorite Bitcoin hardware wallet. You want a hardware wallet that has been locked down from a security perspective and the cold card allows us to use it in a completely air-gapped way. We can ferry transactions back and forth using the SD card and connect it with popular wallets like Spectre or Sparrow or Electrum. Coldcard offers very high security at a relatively low price point, and they offer all sorts of features. They support PSBT, partially signed Bitcoin transactions natively, and it can be used in a single signature setup or as part of a multi-sig setup. It's got all sorts of other features like an address explorer so you can verify your receive address. Go to coinkite.com and use the code Lavera for a discount. Unchained Capital are building Bitcoin native financial services on a foundation of multi-signature. So you can distribute the risk by having multiple hardware wallets and place them in different locations. So Unchained offer multi-sig vaults, which you can build on your own. Or if you want the white glove treatment, they've got a concierge service where they will ship you to hardware wallets. They'll answer your questions and deposit $1,000 of Bitcoin in your vault. You can use the code Lavera to get a discount there also. Unchained offer various other services such as their loans product and they also offer an OTC desk in various states and they also offer business accounts for those of you looking to move your corporate or business treasury to Bitcoin. So make sure you go and check out unchained.com. You can find a range of information there like Parker Lewis's series, Gradually Then Suddenly, as well as information on how to get set up with a vault or an unchained loan. CypherSafe.io are producing the Cypher Wheel product. So if you have a Bitcoin hardware wallet and you wrote down those 12 or 24 words, that's your BIP39 seed. But don't just rely on that piece of paper. Get a metal product to back that up and make sure that now you are not as worried about what happens if there's a fire at your place, if, if there's flooding. The Cypher Wheel comes in a wheel shape and it actually masks the words of your seed as well unless you open the padlock tamper evidence seal and in that case you know it's been opened. So this way you can make sure that you or your loved ones have access to your bitcoins if an accident occurs. Go and order your Cypher Wheel at cyphersafe.io and use the code Lavera for discount. Back to the show. Yeah, right. And so with the speedy trial approach, it the idea is to have this quick three-month signaling period and uh, have basically two-week signaling periods. And we are, I think, just closing up the second one where we're not going to get it this time. But potentially, if all the pools, if we get enough of the pools signaling in the next period, then we are going to have decided that. And I guess from your perspective, does speedy trial make sense this idea of having a short three-month period or did you find you know that mining pools had issues getting their their software and their nodes uh working correctly to signal in that version bit was there an issue around that or is that you think this is a reasonable way to get it done and would it be useful in future i think i think um, well actually pulling uh, the pool i work for uh, we did face some issues with the firmware there was this one particular firmware that was being used by some machi- particular machines. I can't speak too much about it because it's just one firmware that we that we saw this issue in, and 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 I don't want to you know call them out. But basically, they would be knocked off our pool, which would be a pretty significant amount of hash rate. So so we we worked we worked around the clock. The pooling team actually helped the firmware team to fix that, um, and and now we're fully signaling. I, I assume some other pools probably f- face something similar. Of course, we're all the mining pool business is ex- extremely competitive, so you know we, we don't really share a lot of um, a lot of what's going on internally with each other's uh, th- uh, you know backends or whatnot. So so, but I assume that's what happened with some other pools. I do know that that node softwares people have like custom nodes. Mining pools or mining operators, mining farms have custom node software that perhaps did not have, you know, the, the, the ability to signal, which then would then knock them off as, as well or 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 would knock the the block, would knock the signaling ability off the block. So, uh, off the block header. So, yeah, um, 
there was uh, some issues with with the with this type of signaling. I guess I guess there could be there could be another way to do it. But um, you know, the, the one one thing I want to add is that you know, soft fork upgrades don't occur very often, right? You know, the last time was what is was five four years ago. So, uh, Segwit. So you know, you can't really blame these uh, these firmware teams about forgetting about this particular small you know, subset is this is something that doesn't happen often. So, you know, it was just it's just some normal bumps along the way to get towards the the upgrade. Another added thing I wanted to I want to always, you know, say is that the signaling started exactly the same exact day as like a national holiday started in China. They you know China this is like the second most important holiday in China after the New Year's. So it was kind of it was it was very very interesting that the signaling started exactly the same day. All the teams, the firmware team was in vacation. All the mining pool operators were in vacation. Mining farm operators were in vacation. You know, everyone was in big. Everyone was on their day off or a holiday. So it's it was kind of a little bit of a uh, slow start in the very beginning. But yeah, I think uh, I think all pools are all major pools except BCC.com. Which is kind of ironic because I'm the co- I'm the co-founder of that mining pool, which is very ironic, I think, uh, personally. But <laughs> nonetheless, the, um, all the other pools, <laughs> yeah, all the other pools um, are are signaling fully. So I, I think I think I do really think that the next difficulty adjustment epoch will lock in Taproot for activation in November, which turns out to be the same time that the Bitcoin conference in Miami, Bitcoin 2021 is going on which will be great because everyone's going to be in a very good very happy mood yeah exactly so uh, it doesn't matter what the price is uh, doing it's uh, if we're getting taproot locked in well that's going to be bullish long term for bitcoin with all the new technology and uh, potential future soft forks that we can get out of that i i also i had a quick question around the mining firmware question as well so again not singling out that particular you know manufacturer but was there a difficulty there in terms of you know, now, even if that firmware gets updated, then does that mean we're reliant on all of those individual mining pools, or sorry, all those individual miners, rather, not the pools, going and updating their own machines in, in that case to then support the ability to signal? Or is that something that was fixed at a pool side, like on the pool and, uh, you know, creating the block template and so on? No, that was relying on the mining farms themselves, which was the, which was kind of the, the reason why it took some some days for, for everything to to go through because we had to update the firmware. Aside that everyone was on holiday, we had to then you know upgrade the firmware, send it out, get everyone to upgrade. Of course, you need to keep in mind that you know, mining farms operators have firmware. Uh, um, excuse me, have. Uh, programs that update all their machines in one go right so they're not sitting there and going to every single you know <laughs> 10,000 machine and clicking but so it's not it's not that difficult once they get the firmware it's just a quick it's a quick update but still yes we we were reliant on mining form operators to update however uh mining form operators you know we, we told them look you need to upgrade the firmware otherwise you're going to get knocked off the pool so the mining farm operator understands that you know he doesn't want to get knocked off the they don't want to get knocked off the pool, so it's kind of you know you know that's the last thing they want. So so they up, upgraded you know just quickly enough. Yeah, got it. And so just in terms of contacting them as well, because I know in the mining world, maybe for people who are not closely into it, not all the players in the mining world are identifiable, right? Because because they could just be pointing their hash at your pool, right? I mean, you might not necessarily have an easy way to contact them. Yeah, sometimes, we, um, for example, we have anonymous miners and many pools have that feature. Um, so that's, that's yeah, that's another added issue, another added challenge to that was in, that happened to us. Actually, we did, we did have some, Miners that were, we were not unable we were unable to contact because we had no contact information for them that were knocked off. But you know these anonymous miners once they find out that they've been knocked off, they you know they they're gonna find out what happened, and they'll upgrade. So even though we but we weren't able to contact all of them, we did contact the main ones. Usually, usually how it goes is that large mining farm operators do contact mining pool um mining pool com- the, the mining pool company like Poolin. They do contact us because they they want you know special they want you know they're they're a big farm so they want special deals like lower fees they want you know custom support 
they want uh, you know private nodes or whatever. They, there's a whole there's a whole they even want they even want us to send them a shirt, whatever it is. <laughs> they could you know they yeah. could be anything. Yeah. So like so so they they have a relationship with us, but um, the smaller anonymous guys sometimes they're bigger guys, but sometimes they're big the anonymous uh, miners. But usually it's not very large. But as soon as they 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 get knocked off again, they're gonna find out what's up. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the other interesting aspect here is the competitive part, right? So in some ways, as you were saying before, you are trying to coordinate this upgrade to the network. Uh, in a voluntary way, but at the same time, you're interfacing with competitors and there's some competitive pressure here too, because let's say you are trying to, let's say you want to do the upgrade and you end up having to knock some of your customers off, then are you, are you, you worried that those customers might just say, oh, fuck Taproot, I'm just going to go to some other pool that doesn't want a signal Taproot? Were you worried about that kind of thing? And would that have a competitive impact to the bottom line of pooling? That's a good question. I think I think that it actually goes down towards another point, which is miners do have ultimately the choice to put to point their hash rate to this pool or that pool. That's the it's kind of a uh, it's kind of I call it a UASF inside a MASF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like the and that's and that's kind of that actually that also kind of boils down to like some people claiming that that some pools lost some hash rate because they weren't signaling nonetheless it is it is like the overwhelming majority of of people felt that taproot is a good it's it's a it's a good upgrade there's good there's good feelings everyone understands that if we you know inc- upgrade bitcoin with taproot long term it's a it's a good thing for bitcoin so all competitors you know you know when 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 Listen, you and listeners need to keep in mind that Bitcoin feeds us, right? They, it gives us gives us our business. It is what we do. It is it is everything. You know, most of us, like myself, are are hardcore Bitcoiners, and and we, we love this. But um, it, but none the, it pays the bills. So we understand that if we can upgrade and are always looking for or always looking towards bringing the best towards Bitcoin because it's going to ultimately help us and help our business. So that's that's with that in mind I approached all the mining pools and they you know even though we're competitors the overarching you know upgrade to what powers our businesses is stronger than our you know than our competitive nature so we work together in this particular situation and uh, that's that's it's a beautiful thing a beautiful thing yeah that's cool well it's good uh, that uh, everyone has uh, some skin in this game and that we all want bitcoin to be more valuable because that's going to pump all of our bags right so that's a cool thing um so in terms of then getting this over the line so as we speak today i'm looking at taproot.watch which is a website that shows the recent blocks whether they are signaling for taproot or not and the percentage hash rate so as we speak today it says the current total is about 80 just under 86 percent but the potential is uh, 95.6 percent and i think the only reason that's falling down as you mentioned earlier is the inconsistent signaling so that's actually might be down to btc.com as you mentioned because they are the pool who's not uh, consistently signaling but Presuming they are able to sort that part out, then if they are able to sort this out in the next period, then basically we're very, very high likelihood of getting this uh, locked in, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I really I really suggest if there's anyone from BTC.com listening to me, and I'll, I, will, I, will, I will tell them this myself, and I have told them this myself, but I will remind them. That if they're in the next difficulty epoch, that everyone is fully signaling and they're the only ones not signaling, which will call, if that is the reason why the uh, upgrade fails for the next difficulty adjustment epoch, then that's going to look very bad for them. It's because it's a very bad PR, very bad marketing. You know, that's not going to, that's not going to cause, that's not going to cause them any favors in the, in the, in the with the miners that are currently use, uh, using BTC.com mining pool for sure. So it, it it really is now. It's really in in their interest to just fix that as soon as possible, so we can get this uh, things uh, locked in and 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 move on to the next step. 
Excellent. Well, yeah, let's hopefully, let's see if that hap- what happens there. And I, I, I presume then, let's say it doesn't happen for the next signaling period. Well, then maybe uh, miners will start pointing their hash power elsewhere to one of the other pools. And so that could also be a competitive impact there on them also. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's what I was saying about this uh, mini UASF inside the MASF. You know, the miners do have a choice to switch around pools that, that, are, that are signaling, in this case, for Taproot. It's, you know, the, the choice is theirs too. So, the, you know, it's not, it's uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a UASF, but inside the mining pools nowadays, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, and I think that's one of those things where, again, when people are new, they don't understand there's a difference between a miner and a pool and they're not necessarily the same thing, right? So, um, so that's something to understand there. Um, and so thoughts on how future soft forks could go down is, do you think this is a sustainable kind of approach that could be used for future soft forks? Examples could be any prev out by Christian Decker and AJ Towns has contributed to that too, or potentially the great consensus soft fork cleanup, or there are other ideas uh, out there. Do you have, do you believe this is the way that future soft forks could be coordinated? Yes, I do think this is a this is a definitely a good strategy for future softworks. Yes, I, I I do. Of course, I think this strategy in itself, or this way that we've done it with speedy trial and asking the miners, the mining pools, and whatnot. I guess I guess we've it's only been battle tested. I mean, I hope it's I, I'm pretty confident it's going to work, and I hope it will. But I think this this particular way of upgrading. To, uh, of upgrading Bitcoin through software, perhaps it only works for a non-contentious uh, upgrade. You know, like Taproot is. So I, I don't. I can't give you an answer for something that might be contentious. But if it's a non-contentious upgrade, I don't. I don't see why not try try the same exact thing we've done to, uh, this time around. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And hopefully, well, I'm. I'm personally, I'm hoping we get any prev out because that will then enable L2, which is a more advanced form of the Lightning Network. But I guess I, I wonder, because Taproot has been spoken about for years and years and years. And by now, basically, there's been no serious objection to it. Everyone agrees with it. Yeah, I wonder what what would happen if it were a soft fork that maybe, you know, even if it was, let's say, not a contentious upgrade, but just not that many people were going to shout and scream and try and get it happening. Uh, what would happen in that case? Yeah, I, I wonder what I wonder. Uh, there's so many. This it's a it's a very difficult task to upgrade a decentralized financial you know tool, freedom tool. In my opinion, that is Bitcoin. It's not an easy task. There's so many different players, so many different indust- uh, interests, so many different views, points of views, cultures, whatnot. It's no easy task, and you know we're we're figuring it out as we go along. There's very smart people working on this right now. Um, and and anyone can actually uh, uh, participate in this discussion and this debate. That's the that's another beauty of this this system. Um, you can you can you can do it yourself. You can do things yourself. You don't need to ask for permission from anyone. Um, that's the beauty of Bitcoin. And that's the, and you know I am confident that Bitcoin. I'm an optimist, and I think Bitcoin will. Well, I I already think it is successful, but I think it will continue to be successful into the future. And I, my part with Taproot, whatever small it may be, you know, it's an honor for me to be able to help in this particular situation with what little I can to, to you know, to impulse this, this project forward into the future. Yeah, well, I certainly think it's a great uh, thing you did with the taprootactivation.com website. And I think from what I can see, that was used in discussions to try to say, hey, look, it looks like we've got 90% of the miners on board here. We can try this approach. So I think it certainly helped. I'm also curious your thoughts on this idea that maybe, and we don't know what the future holds, but could it be that in the future, not all the pools are easily identifiable or easy to communicate with? Or do you actually think, no, there is an incentive for every large pool to have, let's say, let's call it a front desk or someone to talk to or pick up the phone because they want to be able to you know, do sales and they want to get miners to point their hash rate to them. What's your view there? Do you think pools will still be easily identifiable into the future five or 10 years from now? Well, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I don't I don't know what the future holds, but there's a lot of bumpy there's a lot of bumpy bumpy road ahead. We have we have pools now like self like doing censorship of transactions. 
you know, not including uh, non-OFAC blocks or non-compliant transactions. There's a whole bunch of new stuff that's being tried. There's also the trend of uh, hash rate leaving China. I, I think 30% of the hash rate will leave China by end of this year or beginning of next year. So I, that that's going to also change the whole game because if, the, if a lot of the hash rate is, let's say, in North America, then it's going to be much larger pools in North America, which will then have their own set of rules and 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 whatnot. So I don't think we'll. I don't think it. I don't think it's the next time. The next time we touch upon a soft fork upgrade with, and we're trying to do a minor activated soft fork again. If we do get to that point, um, I don't think. It, I don't think the 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 space will be the same at all. I think it would be the hash rate will be more. I guess. Decentralized, well, it's very dis- yeah. yeah, it's distributed across the net- the world, so that's good. That's a very good thing, in my opinion. And and I don't know, I don't know because um, some pools might not want to play the game, play by the rules. There's also national mining pools coming into play. Yeah, I think I think Iran is is trying to do that. I've heard of Kazakhstan trying to do that as well. I don't know. There's there's uh, there's also Uzbekistan that was trying to do that. Pakistan is also trying to do a national mining pool, or or I'm not too sure about that. But so so there's going to be also national mining pools. So it's 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 definitely not going to be the same. And I don't I you know if if there is for let's just let's just focus on the national mining pools. If there are national mining pools, and there's a software coming into play, um, I'm sure the national mining pools will have geopolitical intentions far far above than upgrading bitcoin you know like i think they will they will not want to coordinate with i guess enemy of their country or whatever so who knows who knows what the future holds bitcoin is here to stay it's the real it's yeah it's the real deal it's the real deal you know today the whole entire fud that was going on even the pope even the pope was talking about bitcoin mining can you believe that me when i started in 2013 i never thought i would hear the pope just you know discuss or, or 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 mention something about bitcoin the why in my opinion it's very bullish i think bitcoin is the real deal i don't otherwise all these large nations religious leaders will not be talking about it so it's 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 definitely gonna heat up a little bit yeah that's an interesting way to put it because yeah if if large countries start their own mining pools and you know there's a USA pool and a you know whatever Kazakhstan pool and a Pakistan pool then yeah coordinating upgrades at that point might not really be feasible as in with you know via the mining pools and then maybe it actually does go back to a UASF approach in the future who knows yeah, right yeah um, and I guess another idea would be that if there's a lot more people who are solo mining or unidentifiable hash rate growing over time uh, do you have any thoughts on that idea because right now the pools put it in that block and say yeah this is this was my block uh but let's say there was a growth in the unidentified hash rate what would happen what happens in that scenario or do you just think it's unlikely well i mean there is already about 2.5 percent of the bitcoin network is around on is is an unidentified hash rate they don't they they could they could be private pools from big players they could be actually solo solo miners huge there must be you know i know i know a handful over the years of solo to solo mine in this ecosystem requires a very very large mining farm like something out of this world type of mining farm um but they exist um so yeah i i i guess i get that that that's actually quite interesting because perhaps if some you know some miners do not want to you know mine on this particular nation's national mining pool because it's required for them to do so they might not want to so they might, you know, just band together and and create their own, uh, you know, uh, little mining pool or smaller mining pool to mine and 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 forego any national mining pool requirements. That's something that can be done for sure. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure that's going to happen in the future. Yeah, and also another idea there is just going back to the national pools idea. Depending on the way the political conversations are going, that might also impact which upgrades can be brought into Bitcoin, right? So it might be, I mean, who knows? Uh, but if there was some upgrade that was going to bring a lot more privacy to Bitcoin, and let's say some governments don't like that, or you know that that might also become you know harder to coordinate 
through the mining side. But I, again, this is, you know, we don't know exactly what will happen with that. Um, but I, I also wanted to ask your thoughts on this whole China bans Bitcoin mining. I mean, obviously, this is anyone who's been around Bitcoin for any serious amount of time. We've seen this movie before. Many times. At least this current round of it. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, Tell us what, what happens next in the movie, Alan? Nothing happens. Nothing <laughs> happens. <laughs> It's all, it's all, I don't know how many times I've seen China ban Bitcoin throughout my time in, in Bitcoin. It's been, it's unbelievable. It's every single year. It's, 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 it's insane. And yet we have 60% of the, all the, the mining going on in China, in, in China. The only real difference this time, I guess, and this is me, um, you know, th- this news came out this morning. So, uh, you know, there might be clarifications later down the week or throughout the time. In the future but you know the only real difference is that it's a higher up in the chinese government that spoke about it but it was only the document that came out was only a summary it was not even written by him it's not a formal document by anyone so it there's it's very early to say you know it's already it's, it is kind of for me it's already looks to to me very suspicious that it's not a formal document that it's just you know summary of the talks Yes, it was higher up, but you know, not that that doesn't mean that that document doesn't mean literally doesn't mean anything. They just had a conversation about it. In essence, the only real news is that it was a that this time around it was a higher up in the government. That's that's the real news here. Um, what that's going to happen is unclear. Uh, this this is con- I can I can speak about it uh, from Poland's side. We're unclear what's going to happen, but in my opinion, I think it's already very suspicious that it's come. It's not. Um, you know, not from, it's not a formal document. However, I do think, I do think the trend of hash rate, um, moving outside of China will continue. I think, I think what it might actually boil down to be is, um, China wants, you know, to lower the amount of, of, uh, you know, fossil fuel usage in their country because of, it makes sense. Um, it does not only make sense for the country of China and the Chinese people, but it makes sense for the rest of the globe. So um, that's good, in my opinion. And yeah, yeah, they might. This is pure speculation from my end, right? But I think, I think uh, they might clamp down on mining using, you know, heavy fossil fuels, which already is not too much in, my, in, in China. Most of it, or I think more than half of it, is already using hydroelectric power plants or other green sources. So, but that that percent, those those miners that will have to move. I don't think there's I don't think there's enough space for them in China or I think they will I think they will move out of out of out of China. And I think that trend is already starting. There's already you're going to see you're going to see you're going to see a lot of news coming up about Chinese mining farms buying land or buying or doing joint ventures with American mining farms and American mining uh, power producers or whatever. Yeah, interesting. So this has been a common criticism that oh see there's so much hash rate in china and there was that natural experiment recently where a lot of the hash rate went offline and some people were trying to infer that actually based on the amount of hash rate that went down that i think they were saying they were estimating that the amount of hash of bitcoin's total hash power it was something like 40 percent or so in the chinese in the china region what's your view on that do you agree or disagree do you think it's higher than that number you said about 60 percent in your view yeah i think it's i think it's around uh, 60%. Um, well, it was less. Yeah, so I think it's around 60, 65% of the whole entire hash rate is still coming from China. That blackout that happened or that something blew up, some transformer blew up. I'm not too sure what happened. Some power plant blew up and then the Chinese government, you know, decided to do a sort of, uh, or the, the local government there decided to check all the other mining farms for, you know, fire safety. So there was like a 20%, I think it was around, actually the real number was 17% of the total hash rate coming from China uh, was turned off because of this incident. But uh, yeah, I think I think, um, I think think around 30% of this 65% total will leave China in the next upcoming year. Yeah, interesting, hey, because that's been a common criticism and uh, it seems that uh, now is the time that it might actually be distributing further out to the rest of the world. 
Um, so as you said, more into perhaps North America is a likely situation there. Also, wondering your thoughts around the whole, because people are becoming more conscious about things like buying carbon offsets and things like that. Do you think that is going to be a common thing for miners? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a common thing. Yeah, I do think it's going to be common. The, the, the reality is that some, 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 of the, um, some of the mining occurs um, still in fossil fuel, using, using fossil fuels, although it's less and less. But if there is that, then the carbon offsets could be a good option. And I think, uh, I think mining pools will start offering that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting one as well, because even recently with, you know, Elon Musk and all his Tesla, etc, talking about the, you know, impact of Bitcoin mining, I wonder whether that's going to become a new angle where, you know, Tesla is itself running on, you know, basically receiving a lot of either subsidies or receiving the, uh, the credits on the basis of the favorable regulation around that. And I wonder whether that's going to become the new grift in the Bitcoin world of, you know, basically people who are trying to get those credit, something equivalent to that, but in the Bitcoin world, do you, do you think, do you see a scenario like that coming up? Do you mean, do you mean like government subsidies for, for miners that are offsetting their carbon? Yeah, it could be that, or, or maybe it could be like a regulatory requirement that they do that, or it could be, and then, you know, who knows if uh, maybe in the future that they, someone tries to come out with a, oh, see, this is like the green mining thing. So therefore I should be receiving credits for this, whereas you, quote unquote, dirty fossil fuel miner, you have to pay me, kind of thing, or it ends up acting like a cross subsidy, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that that sort of strategy. Those are all strategies that are going to be played out by business by mining pool operators and mining farm operators. It's a very it's highly competitive market. Again, I think it's the most like legitimate or capitalistic industry out there. It's pure capitalism. Um, I th- and I, that that's a that's a very good strategy to say that you're green uh, farm and get some subsidies in order to beat your competitor, even though you might be just offsetting it or whatnot. Um, yeah, I think these type of, these type of scenarios are coming are already are, are sort of already happening. They're just just building up right now. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, just anything going on with Poland? What's the latest with Poland? We have we have um, a very low fees for miners. Um, we have nodes across the globe. We have many years of experience with large mining farm operators. So if you want, if you're listening in and you're a farmer, we, we, we can we can take care of you. Um, and we have a synthetic mining called uh, Mars Project, which is, uh, you know, uh, synthetic Bitcoin hash uh, hashing, synthetic Bitcoin mining and synthetic Ethereum mining. Very easy to jump into. Um, we were the first ones to come out with these uh, with this sort of hash uh, tokenized hash rate protocol. Um, and it's doing very well. So if you're interested in that, please go to poolin.com or reach out to me. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, Alejandro, uh, any final thoughts for the listeners there just around uh, upgrading on Bitcoin? I think uh, if any of you, if any of the listeners are just normal operators, I've gotten normal users. Uh, I've gotten this question many times. You, you don't have to uh, worry about upgrading your wallet or, any, or, 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 or anything, going, anything wrong with your Bitcoin. You can you can still send and receive Bitcoin. You Tabru, you you're you're unaffected by the by the upgrade. The only thing, the only way you're affected is that it's just going to become more private and it's going to become a better Bitcoin. Uh, so don't worry about that. And uh, and I I I, I, um, I hope everyone listening here gets uh, some sort of you know inspiration to to not only just you know buy buy the coin and and hope that it goes up, but also you know build. And uh, this is a great industry to participate in. And I you know I. I think uh, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunities here. So, you know, building is also a very good way to move forward. Excellent. Well, thanks very much for joining me, Alejandro. Thank you, Stephen. So let me know what you think. Do you think we're going to get Taproot locked in in the next signaling period? Find the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 277, and I will see you in the Citadels. 